Welcome in, everybody. It is Friday, which means it's time to get in the cage here on 710 ESPN Seattle. It's brought to you by the Emerald Queen Casino. Well, a big one coming up this weekend at the EQC, Cage Sports 60. And a man I know a lot of people are excited to see making his return to his stomping grounds, a place where he dominated, a place that catapulted him to the UFC. I'm talking about the one, the only Juicy J, Julian Arosa, is with us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. Julian, how are you, man? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, Bob. Thanks for having me on. It, it's great to catch up with you. It, it's it's been a while. I had a chance to run into you, I think, uh, a few months back at, at uh, the EQC, yeah. and you had a brief conversation. But, man, what what is it? Just give me, before we get into specifics of what's been going on and what's in front of you, just the idea of coming back to a place where you, you've got an incredible following, you've got a great fan base, you've had so much uh, you know success at the EQC and, the, and with Cage Sport and everything that's gone on there. Just what does it feel like to be back there? You know, it's um, it's most ideal for me to fight, you know, back in my home state because, you know, all my friends and family can get there. You know, they can just drive there and come and watch me fight. And it's such a, an exciting moment when you're walking out to a fight and being able to perform in front of all your friends and family. And, like, you know, most of the times I ever fought at EQC, I would, I would get probably, you know, 100-plus people there that I knew, you know, personally knew. So, you know, walking out and seeing that and seeing face by face, like everybody that you know, you know, that gives you a real, you know, excitement and a pump up for a fight, you know. And so, you know, you just feed off that energy. I already like to feed off of the energy of the crowd. But when you specifically know, like, almost everybody you're looking at on the way out, you know, it makes it even that much more energy and, you know, you get that much more excited about it. So, you know, it feels uh, absolutely amazing to be back at the Emerald Queen and, um, and to, get back into the wind column, I think it's um, a perfect place for it. You know, and before we talk about the wind column, loss column, all of that, what what you just said is really interesting, Julian, because I, you know, I talk to fighters all of time, all of the time, and often they'll talk about fighting in their hometown and not fighting in their hometown. And a lot of them prefer not being in front of all these people that they know and not having this, they, they look at it as a bit of a distraction and people wanting their time and calling them and, and wanting to, Hey, can you get me tickets? And, and then just just that familiarity sometimes is uncomfortable for fighters, but it sounds like that's not an issue for you at all. There, there's no distraction to having that much of a presence or that much of a, a body of people that want your time, essentially. Yeah, you know, luckily for me, I have um, a lot of people around me that understand the fight game and they've been around me for a while, you know, like my mom and my mom's, my mom's friend Mindy and my wife and uh, – a couple of other people that are around me, obviously my coaches, that understand the fight game and understand that, you know, we don't necessarily, you know, want to have these distractions. And so we have people kind of buffering those distractions. So like uh, my mom's friend, Mindy, um, who's kind of like a second mom to me, she uh, basically handles all the ticket stuff. So like if anybody wants to buy tickets, they go through her. So she takes that burden off me. I don't have to meet up with people and I don't have to uh, figure out their ticket situation. And honestly, if people want tickets and, um, you know, if, if I can't provide them, it's, it's okay for them to go on Ticketmaster or get them wherever. <laughs> I'll, I don't, you know, I, as long as they're there and they're supporting, I don't care, you know, how they get their tickets. So, um, but I have, you know, people kind of in, in place to kind of, uh, stop those distractions. And then also, you know, most of my friends and family who know me know kind of my routine and stuff. So like, you know, they know that, you know, the day of the fight, I'm not going to be wanting to like, you know, come and meet up with you and take some pictures and stuff. But after the fight, after everything's said and done, man, go have a beer, go drink, eat some pizza. I'll take a million pictures. You know, we can go have a good time after that. Um, and so they understand that. And uh, uh, and so I think having those people around you that help you get through that, 
makes it uh, definitely 100 times easier, especially when you're weight cutting and stuff like that. And I'm a big featherweight, so, you know, when I'm cutting my weight, you know, you can get a little irritable. And uh, luckily, my wife is able to put up with me. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, is, and and I've gotten better and better about it. You know, um, I really only get irritable probably the day of. Um, before, when I really didn't know how to cut weight as good, you know, I used to get irritable for weeks leading up to the fight. And, you know, I was doing it wrong. And, um, but even like today, I make weight in two days, and I'm going to make weight no problem. And uh, I feel great today. You know, like it's not like I had to cut weight, and it's not like I'm dragging. And you know, I'm a little tired. You know, obviously we're in taking lower carbs and calories and stuff like that. But uh, for the most part, my body's used to that. You know, I've been through this process millions of times, and so uh, uh, I have the ability to you know kind of get through that uh, comfortably now. And um, but anyway, so yeah, having those people in place. And um, being able to uh, be a little bit of a, of a buffer between those distractions makes that part easier. But then on the, on the flip side of it, you know, I can I can have no distractions, but also come out and have all my friends and family there. And, and uh, some people don't like the added pressure, but for me, I feel like it builds it up. You know, it's almost like going to a uh, a party where you know all your friends and you see people you haven't seen forever, and it makes you like it gets you excited. Like if you go to a party, and you know nobody there, you might not have the best of time, but if you know you know, a majority of the people there, you're going to have a lot better time. And that's just kind of how it is for a fight. A fight's like a party for me. I enjoy fighting. I mean, from from warming up in the back to getting my gloves wrapped, all that stuff, that whole entire process, you know, the fights leading up to my fight, you know, kind of walking in and out of the, the curtain in the back and watching, kind of halfway watching some fights and in and out and, you know, kind of that nervous uh, build up to it and then walking out and fighting and, you know, the aftermath of it all. And um, that whole entire the whole entire time for me is enjoyable, regardless if it is if I'm a little antsy, if I'm a little nervous, if I'm a little, you know, overexcited. You know, it's it's all part of the process, and you have to learn to enjoy that entire process. And if you can't, if you're if you're somebody that can't fight in front of your friends and family, then uh, it's going to be difficult for you to fight on some of the bigger stages as well. So um, for me, you know, I'm learning at a kind of young age, fighting at the Queen. You know, I had so many people that. I was such a uh, social guy that uh, back in my hometown in Yakima, it's only a couple hour drive. So, you know, we'd get, shoot, I remember I think I fought Brokenshire the second time. And, uh, shoot, he's from the West Side. And I think we had more tickets sold than him. And uh, we brought, you know, I think like 250 people there or something. It was, it was crazy. It was nuts. And so, uh, but that, you know, just seeing seeing that many people there and the support just gives me more uh, uh more drive and just I, I guess I'll just use drive, but more drive to uh, perform in front of them. Well, let's you you brought up fighting on bigger stages and you've done it. I mean, I was there for your first UFC fight. You were on the undercard of uh, Conor McGregor, Nathan Diaz won. I, w- I was there for yeah. that fight. You, you've you've been in the UFC, which I tell everybody is it's as big as it gets. That's the NFL of MMA, right? That's that's for the sure. to- that's the top level. It's been a tough stretch for you. I mean, you had a three-fight winning streak, and now you're in the middle of a three-fight losing streak. What yeah. do you chalk that up to? Do you do you chalk that up to, man, that's just a different level of competition, and I can't get away with some of the things I could at a lower level? Is it bad luck? How do you how do you sort of view what's gone on in your last three fights? You know, I've had a, a little bit of um, circumstantial things. You know, obviously, getting back in the UFC, you have to take anything. So, like uh, – I was offered a short notice fight against Devontae Smith at, at the 155 pounds, and Devontae Smith had been knocking everybody out. And, um, you know, I thought it was going to be, you know, a tougher fight, but it was just, it was that, that was one of those things I just got caught early. And, you know, there's, 
there's nothing else I can. I mean, I made a mistake in that fight, but um, there's, you know, when you get caught early like that, you have no idea how the fight could have played out, you know. So it was something that just happened. It happened early in the fight, and uh, you know, it sucked. But it was, uh, I was, I, you have to take anything and everything. And I knew he was a power puncher, and I knew that that was a possibility that I might get knocked out. But you know, uh, you can't say no to the UFC, especially on a short notice fight. If you say no to them one time, they're probably they might not never call you again. So. Um, so for me at the time, I took it. You know, it wasn't the smartest fight for me to take, but I took it because I was trying to get back in the UFC. And so, you know, it wasn't the smartest decision I made, but, you know, obviously, you know, being a fighter of the UFC, like you said, is the NFL is uh, fighting. So, you know, I was, will- I was willing to fight two weight classes up against the best dude in the world, you know, just to be back in there. So I had to take the bullet, and then I took the bullet, and uh, luckily – they didn't cut me. They uh, signed me again to fight Grant Dawson. And, um, uh, you know, hats off to Grant Dawson beating me. Um, he's a uh, spectacular athlete. But uh, at that fight, um, a week before that fight, I got an ear infection. And I've I've always been plagued with ear infections. I've always had bad ears when I was a kid. I had tubes in my ears. And um, even after the age of 18, when they say it's kind of unusual for you to be getting ear infections, I, I probably have had, after the age of 18, like... 40, 50, 60 plus ear infections. Oh, maybe not that many, but like <laughs> probably about like 30, I would say from, from 18 to now. And, um, cause there was a, like a, a decent period of time where I'd got my tonsils taken out and that helps my ears. But uh, anyways, long story short, I had an ear infection a week before that I was on antibiotics and still decided to fight because everything was in place. I, my weight was good. I'd been training hard and I just told myself, I was like, you know what? Like, Regardless of my ear, once I get in there, it'll be all good. But you really don't understand how how much antibiotics will pull from your body. And, and not only that, having an infection that your body's fighting and using energy for that on top of weight cutting will pull from your body. And I literally fought in that fight with my right ear completely plugged. I couldn't even hear out of it. So my e- equilibrium was off a little bit. And then um, in between the second and third round, I've always been known for my cardio, and uh, I was completely gassed. Never been that tired in my life in a fight, and uh, you know it was a tough one because that was a, that was an ideal matchup for me. I loved that fight when they when they told me about that fight. I, I had done kind of my homework on Grand Dawson. I was like, oh man, this is a perfect fight for me. Um, he's gonna try to get in there, try to take me down. And if you watch the fight, the first the first round, the dude takes me down probably like six or seven times, but every single time I immediately get back up, mm-hmm. up, up, up. And I'm making him work the whole time. He's making me work, but I was making him work as well. And, you know, later on in the rounds, you uh, you kind of see me start pressuring him more and more. And then um, also what had happened in that fight, um, he had grazed me with a knee on my bottom teeth, and my four bottom teeth had folded in. And, um, oh, and I thought it was my mouthpiece. Yeah, I thought my mouthpiece had, like, popped out and fell into my mouth. And so I'm backing up. I'm like, what the hell is going on with my teeth? And then I realized it's my bottom teeth. And, so that kind of like threw me off in the fight on top of me being completely exhausted going into the third round. And, you know, I was kind of in just survival mode and I couldn't even, I mean, I could hardly lift my arms up, let alone fight somebody else. And, you know, uh, you know, props to him. My hat's off to him. He's a, you know, competitor and he's really, you know, he's a tough uh, athlete himself and uh, he did a great job. It was his night that night and I don't want to take anything from his win over me. But at the same time, you know, it was uh, it was just difficult for me to deal with. You know, I couldn't even hear out of my right ear, and and I don't know if you've ever had to deal with any kind of ear infection. But if not, if you're if if you've ever had your ear plugged, you can kind of 
it's kind of the same situation where you just really can't your balance is kind of off and so right um that kind of that kind of threw me off a little bit on that fight but i knew you know i knew i wasn't at 100 percent for that fight so you know i didn't take it too hard and then i fought julio arce and i felt everything was 100 percent. i have no excuses for that fight whatsoever he caught me after uh you know in the third round and i thought i had I thought I had done enough for the first two rounds to win that fight. I think I, I think I was like you know three and a half minutes away from winning that fight, and you know he caught me with a head kick, and uh, it's one of those things he just threw it up there at the right time, and I felt like I was out striking him, out working him, and even I could hear his corners getting frustrated, and uh, it's always been a uh, staple of my coach to tell us that we, we always want coaches to be coaching in between the first and second round, and the second and the third round, because. If the coaches are coaching, that means their game plan is not working. Because if you go out there and your game plan is working to a T, the coaches they don't want to coach in between rounds. Everything's all good, you know. And so, uh, and that's one thing I remember. I remember even in between, like kind of the, while we were fighting in the round, I remember Julio's corners being like, "Let's loosen up, Julio. What's going on, man?" Like I could, he- I could hear the uh, kind of the frustration in their voice and kind of them questioning like what was going on with Julio. So that kind of obviously gave me a little bit of confidence as well, but. Going from the second to the third round in between, I felt so confident. I felt like I was up two rounds, and I could just see it in his face that I was, you know, I was beating him. You know, I, I was beating him not only physically but mentally. Um, you know, and then he caught me with a head kick, and props to him, and he threw up a great head kick at a perfect timing. And, um, but it's just one of those things, you know. It's like it sucks because if I would have been a little bit more diligent and keeping my hands up and not been so confident because I felt so goodly going into that third round. And uh, if I would have just kept my, I could have kept my hands up and kept moving around, just kind of pick, you know, picked picked easy shots and stuff, and probably would have won that by decision and still been in the UFC. And and Julio Arce wasn't far from being a ranked guy anyway, so I would have been, you know, that would have catapulted me up to fighting, you know, top twenty dudes, you know. And so who knows what would have happened if he didn't land that head kick. And so those are the things I really think about the most is like uh, things like that where, you know, I was at a hundred percent of my game and I just got hit with a shot and if I, you know, would have been more diligent about it and not got hit with that shot and just kept my defenses up a little higher, you know, that, that could have been, it's a whole, you know, obviously that could change your career 180 degrees. So um, that's really the only fight that I, you know, that kind of eats at me a little bit is the Julio Arce fight, but the Grant Dawson and the Devontae Smith things, those were, there's some circumstantial stuff that happened in those fights. And, um, and uh, but I don't want to take away from their wins. They did a fantastic job. But for me, you know, it's just those things that, you know, um, there's kind of an asterisk by those fights. You know? Right. So I lost those fights, but you know, this is what I had to do to, you know, to get in there to, you know, step it up and do this. And I don't want to be one of those guys at the UFC, you know, because I've heard so many times of guys that like turned down a fight through the UFC and they didn't get called again because, uh, you know, the UFC, you know, there's thousands and thousands of kids out there that want to fight for the UFC. So if you say no. You better believe there's a hundred kids behind you saying yes. Yep. So, you know, you have to be that guy. And even if you're already signed by the UFC, I mean, there's guys, shoot, even Yair Rodriguez, you know, was, is a superstar in the UFC. And that kid, you know, a while back, a few years back, uh, there was something about him fighting Zabit. Um, and, uh, and he said he had never even agreed to that fight. And then Dana White said he was going to cut him just because he wasn't going to take that fight or something. Because they had posted that they were fighting, and then I talked to you year like that the next day, and I was like, "Oh, you're fighting Zabit." He's like, "He's like, no, I don't know why they're posting that. You know, I didn't even accept the fight yet." And then, literally the next day, it posted that they were going to cut Yair if he didn't take that fight or something. And so it's like, 
even these superstars, you know, have the possibility of getting cut if they don't uh, accept certain fights. And so for me being, you know, just a, still an up-and-comer, up-and-comer, even though I'd already been in the Ultimate Fighter and all that stuff, I still felt like I was, you know, the be, you know at the beginner's league of the UFC. I'm like, man, I got to, even if I get an ear infection, even if I got like a, you know, even if something's torn or even, you know, I just got to step up and do it because, uh, you know, that's what I need to do to be in these organizations. But, you know, I've learned that, you know, for the UFC, um, I was willing to put my body on the line and I was willing to uh, accept the consequences and and I was willing to put, you know, put everything out there for them, but they wouldn't, you know, they weren't willing to do that in return for me. And so, you know, I've, kind of realized that the UFC is obviously, I mean, that's the most mainstream and the, one of the biggest places, the biggest organizations to fight for, but I think there's other places I can make just as much money and uh, get a little bit more, um, you know, respect as a mixed martial artist versus as a, as a business, you know, I don't, I don't want to be a commodity. I want to be uh, respected as a mixed martial artist. And so I think there's other routes that I can take besides trying to get back in the UFC and who knows, I don't know if the UFC will ever, you know, take me back anyways, because I, you know, I've, I've been hired and fired from them. Like, I think, I think I have a record of it. You know, I've literally been hired and fired by those guys three different times. So, uh, it's already hard for guys to get a second shot in the UFC, let alone a third shot. And so I got to put most of that on my, uh, manager and him being a magician and being able to get guys in and, uh, under the craziest circumstances. So, um, shout out to my management, Jason, uh, house, Iridium, uh, sports agency for doing that. Cause he literally worked magic for me. You know, I, had got a head kick knockout on a contender series against a really tough kid, Jamal Emers, and uh, they still didn't sign me. And then once I switched my management over to Jason House, literally in three days got a short notice fight to fight Devontae Smith. So like he like he's a, he's the dude to be you know to be uh, managed by. I mean, there, and obviously there's other good managers too. You know, there's like a handful of managers that you've already managed to. You know, multiple dudes in the UFC that are, uh, have that uh, avenue for those guys. You know, right. I mean. Even on like some of the contender series uh, seasons, I mean, I think Jason had like on on just one season had like like ten ten plus guys on one season. Wow! Like, like this guy just plugging guys in it, and you know it's and that's and that's what you want, you know. You know, when I first started doing this sport, and after a while, you know, I was like, I always had it in my mind that if you put the work in, it'll come. Right. But uh, once you start seeing things, then you got you you definitely got to realize that. You know, you got to put the work in, but you also got to have somebody backing your name up. You got to have somebody out there pushing you, pushing your name. And so it's, you know, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And they always say that in every kind of industry. And I think uh, more so in fighting than a lot of things. There's some of the best guys in the world that will never be in the UFC because of that. Yeah. They don't have good management. And there's some of the biggest fighters in the world that are in the UFC because of that, you know. So it's, you know, I've been lucky that Jason had put me in and he had given me so many opportunities. And, you know, I can't say nothing. I can't say enough about him and, you know, uh, Iridium about getting me uh, into the UFC and stuff like that. But Yeah, let me – I wanted to come back to your style. You talked about Arce and you got you got caught with your hands down. And you and I have talked about this before. I mean, you're, you're an awkward guy in there. I think you are hard to hit at times, but you're a guy that also takes a lot of chances. You do kind of, you know, pop your chin out there. You'll keep your hands down. It's kind of been part of your style. It's It's sort of almost your trademark in a way that – you know, you're you're almost daring that guy to come in, and you can you can throw your counters. It, 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 there is a downside to it, as you, as you've learned. How hard is it to change that at this point of your career? You've been fighting a long time. You're not an old guy, but you've you've got a lot of fights under your belt. 
is is it hard to say all right man i i can't do that at that level i've got to i've got to keep my hands up or i've got to learn to shoulder roll better i've got whatever it is is it is it hard to change what you do yeah you know it's definitely difficult cuz you always you know you you build these habits and you know and then it becomes muscle memory so like things you know obviously fall into place that um you're that you're just so used to doing and so obviously keeping my hands down and uh and playing around like that can definitely be dangerous and um, one thing I have been trying to work a little bit more on, obviously keeping my hands up is one of them, but you can keep your hands down if you can keep your range, you know, and that's and that's one of the main ideas that I've been really trying to uh, work on is uh, my range because I have really good range, but my problem was that I would kind of almost stuff myself, you know, I would I would I would short my own range up just because I wanted to get into these firefights, just because I know I'm a tough guy. And I know that I've beaten so many guys strictly on toughness. So I know if I just get into firefights with guys and they realize, holy shit, this kid ain't around, like that it's going to be downhill for them at the end, at the end of it, you know? And so, but the, obviously that's, you know, it's a big risk that you're taking. And so for me, you know, working on keeping my hands up is definitely, uh, is definitely one of the skills that, you know, I've been working on, but also just keeping the range. Cause if I can keep the range, you you can't hit somebody that has really good range anyway, right. especially if they're longer if they're longer than you. Right. And most of the time, I'm longer than the guys I'm going with. So, if I can really use my range to the maximum and to my advantage, then I then I can keep my hands down. But if I come in, you know, if I come in and want to get in these firefights with dudes and my hands start falling, then then you're just flipping a coin and just praying to God that you're going to land on heads, right? And so, uh, for me, when I was younger, you know. You know, I think uh, having more and more fights, and you get, as you get older, your chin doesn't hold up as much. And uh, you know, I'll be the first to tell people that. And uh, so, for me, it's always been kind of a, a learning experience with that in that sense. And you know, you feel like, you know, when you get knocked out one time, you're like, well, you know, that was not necessarily a fluke, but maybe I got unlucky or whatever. And then if it happens again, you're like, okay, well, maybe I need to look at this. And then it happens again, you're like, all right, we're, I need, I really need to fix something. And so, <laughs> you know. In, and fighters can be so so. Uh, you guys are stubborn, you know, man. St- exactly, stubborn is probably the best best word for it. And you know, one thing as well is just we're too tough for our own good. You know, for me, um, you know, I know guys that I've trained with that have torn ACLs. You know, torn shoulders. You know, because they are too tough for their own good. You know, you you gotta you gotta understand. And this is probably the you know the number one thing fighters gotta think about is when it's gonna be a good time to retire. But but besides that, that's the big one. But uh, besides the big one, it's the smaller ones. It's like you got to understand when you can train, when you can't train, when you should take a couple months off. You know, if you have a busted knee, you need to go get it checked out. You need to get surgery. You need to take the time off to get it healed. Because if you you don't want to be known as a fighter, you know, who was, you know, a half-ass fighter, but it was only because you had a torn knee the whole time. Right. You know, you want to. I'd rather be the guy, you know, that, you know, gets his knee fixed and it, it might have to take a year out but be able to show up to my fights and, and perform 100% of my ability. I don't want to show up to a fight against a lesser guy and lose because my shoulder's bum, you know, or my knee's bum or my ankle's bum. I want to be able to show up 100%, and if that dude beats me, it's because he trained his off and he did everything in his – it pulled every trick in his bag to beat me, you know. That's how I want to be beat. I want to be beat by somebody who gave everything they had, you know. I don't want to lose because – I hurt because my my body's broken. I want to I want to lose because they were better than me that night. So uh, and so for me, it's uh, you know I, I 
I've, after, you know, getting knocked out, you know, uh, uh, you know, three or four times in my career, it's like, uh, you know, it definitely, there's definitely something I got to do. And, um, I've always, obviously coaches have always told me, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. But, um, on top of that, it's, it's not only that it's about the range right. when you're, cause, cause you can be keeping your hands up, but when you're in the middle of a combination and throwing a combination, uh, you know, your hands are going to be, you know, coming from your chin and, you know, leaving your chin. So there's going to be those openings regardless if your hands are up or not. But if you understand the range, then, um, you can have those openings, but if you're out of the range, then you're okay. You know? So I want to, I really want to, um, for this fight, just really keep my range and obviously keep my hands up. And I don't want to let, you know, even this fight or any other fight after this, I don't want to let people get off on those big shots uh, in, in dangerous and risky situations against me. Well, Julian, I'm looking forward to it, as I know a lot of MMA fans are. It should be a packed house. Cage Sports 60 happening at the Emerald Queen Casino this weekend. I believe there's a few tickets still available, so check it out at the EQC box office. Always good to talk to you, my friend. I will be there cage side rooting you on. I hope we're talking afterwards about a great win, and then we can talk about the next fight, man. I wish you nothing but the best, my friend. I appreciate it, Bob. You're always a pleasure to talk to you and always good on these interviews.